You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. You're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I find you well on this Wednesday evening. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on Stand Out with me, Ian O'Connell, is the amazing Lindsay Bennett. In 2019, Lindsay found out that she was one of the women who got caught up in the cervical check scandal that was brought to the public's attention by Vicky Phelan. Lindsay is an amazing person and I'm honoured to be able to interview her today. Sit back and enjoy the show. Come here, Lindsay. Thanks a million for, for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. With all my guests, I kind of bring it back to the start. You were you grew up in um, Longford. Is it what what was your were you sporty when you were young or what was your childhood? Um I was um, I suppose the wild child, I was the middle child. Um, I did everything from piano, violin, guitar, um, to horse riding, to dancing, to ballet, um, you name it. I, I tried everything and I remember my sister being like, oh, you're such a quitter. And I'm like, no, I'm such a trier. <laughs> you can look at it from both sides. Do you have, yeah. do you have many sisters and brothers or? Uh, I've two sisters, so I do, and I've a few. I've a few people I've adopted along the way that I do do consider them nearly brothers and sisters. Um, but no, officially I've only two. That's sisters. important to have those. Do you know, like you said, yeah. I'm the same. I've friends that I call brothers and sisters now as well, and it's yeah. great. To, it's great to have them in 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 your life. The whole country would have heard about the whole scandal and stuff, and when when you were diagnosed and it was such a a big topic and I remember messaging you when it kind of when it came out I was as as well as the whole country we were all going going mad it was crazy do you want to take me back to I suppose the start of that and you knew something was was wrong before I remember you saying that you kind of knew yeah, so back in, um, it was kind of the end of 2016, I knew that, like, I really wasn't feeling well. And so I went to the doctors and, um, you know, they'd had a look and they thought that it was just polyps um, that they seen. But now, in fact, we obviously know that it was tumours. And so it was about two weeks later that I um, went on to a specialist. And then, sure enough, um a week after that, I was um, told that I had cancer. And so it wasn't even a month after that that I ended up having a hysterectomy. And then I kind of wondered and kept questioning. And even that day that I was diagnosed, I had brought up like all my letters where I'd been told that my smear tests were fine. And so I always thought that was a bit strange. And then it was nearly a year later, just over a year later, um, I ended up, I was diagnosed again uh, with cancer. And this time I had to do uh, chemo and radiation. Chemo that I wasn't actually able for and it had to be cancelled. But I remember sitting in the waiting room and I seen um, Vicky Phelan coming on the TV. And I was like, that's really strange. That lady, like, and I couldn't hear because, you know, I don't know. Well, I'm sure you're well used to hospital waiting rooms no more than myself. Volume down. Um, yeah, like most of the time the TV's on, but it's turned down like and you can't hear anything. So I didn't really understand or know exactly what it was. I was only able to gather from what was written on the screen that it was something got to do with smear tests and 
you know, that wasn't told about. And I was like, that's really strange. And I had previously asked, um, you know, how come it didn't show my smear test? And I've been told, oh, you've a really aggressive form. It doesn't necessarily show on a smear test. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's really strange. But I had asked again and I was given the same response. So I was like, look, at that stage, I was being treated to be cured. So cured. So I wasn't like really focused on worrying. At the end of the day, the smear test, um, wrong or right or whatever it was, I had to focus on trying to, you know, get better. One of my friends who unfortunately passed away from cancer, um, I remember her mom messaging me when I was on the Late Late Show and she was like, Lindsay, you always said that it never made sense and that it just did not sit right with you, like that you had no pre-warnings and all the yeah. smear tests. Like I'd done five smear tests and it was like, you know, it just made no sense. Um to me personally so I had in fact um thanks to um a friend of mom's who picked up the phone she was like just ring because I was constantly saying to people why 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 didn't my smear test tell me anything and she picked up the phone in front of me she goes ring them just ring them and get them to check get them to recheck your slides yeah she was like come on and she was like you know if your mom is here she gets you to do this same so I was like right all right so I rang and I was told it'd be about six months before I'd find out anything and um, because it was the Royal College of Surgeons or sorry the Royal what's the Royal College of Surgeons or whatever something like that anyway that were like re wasn't obviously surgeons Royal College London of London that I, were kind I of I know the name all right yeah and uh so they said it'd be six months but it actually took a year for them to come back to me and I will never forget that moment and I was standing at my front door because the postman had handed me the post and I opened it and I was like couldn't believe what I was reading I was like no no I have to be reading it wrong and I like was sending things into family and like no no this is saying if had and it was written in like strange in a strange way that it wasn't just yeah it wasn't just like straightforward it was like had it, if it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I was like, and then I looked into the box. That's the type of person I am. I'm like, right, skip to the end. I was like, I was like, no, I think this is saying that, like, they checked it and they can see something on them. I was like, what? And I think I went into shock at that moment. And I, like, rang my friend and I was bawling and crying. And I was like, please. I was like, is this honestly telling me that at that stage I'd gone through three years of absolute hell. And I was like, could this all have been prevented? Like all the emotional damage, time missed with my girls, my family, my friends. Like, Was this all after seeing Vicky feeling on the TV? It was probably about a year and a half after seeing her on the TV. Did that come into your head when you you were reading the letter? Was it... No, I think it's only after words that I'm thinking, you know, because people are like, did, did you not have any suspicions? And then when I was asked, that, I was like, yes, I did. Yeah. Um, and then I couldn't believe, I didn't realise I'd even been as vocal as I had been to people, like when I had the likes of my friends, mam and stuff messaging me. And I'm just like, this is why she always go to gut. Yeah. Like, she always go, 
with your gut. But I think everything happens at the time that it's supposed to, good and bad. Um, and I think I was only probably strong enough then, even though I wasn't very strong, feeling very strong at the time, to, you know, work it all out. Did you know how strong you are or was, was I suppose, a lot of people don't know how strong they are until it's their, their yeah, own. Yeah, it's the only choice you have. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of things happen. I've always had people say to me, gosh, you're so strong. Um, but at that stage, it wasn't long after that that I was told I was terminal. And Age four at that time, was it? Yeah. And like, you know, I seen all the reports and stuff where I was being told only about six to eight months um, expect life expectancy. And it even said in that paragraph um, that, like, you know, the figures are actually quite wide and, it, you know, pretty much wouldn't be a surprise if I was gone before that, you know, and like that's 17 months ago. So it is. But that's not pot luck that I'm still here. I've had hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands poured into being the way that I am. Um, Like, and it wasn't through stressful, emotional, like choices of deciding where to go, what to do. Like, um, like I've said in a million times, when I got on that plane with Marty um, and he can more than likely back up my story, like, I was only just praying and hoping that there was going to be a building at the end of that runway because I didn't know. I just knew that I didn't feel like there was anything left for me here. Um, I mean, the double dose of chemo was going to absolutely destroy me, if not kill me. Um, I mean, even if it helped to give an extra month or two, it was not going to be an extra month or two of being me. You yeah. know, it was going to be incredibly ill, incredibly sick. And, um, you know, my family were desperate for me to do the chemo. And it's only since they seen the effects that it had on the amazing Vicky feeling that they realized. It's a lot, like. It is a lot. And I mean, we watched my mom do chemo for four years. She had breast cancer, Um, was it you said? Yeah, it was breast cancer. She had yet that unfortunate. She was misdiagnosed and it spread throughout her whole body then. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, You were were saying, um, I heard on an an interview a few months ago, the day after, like you you were preparing your funeral as well, were you? Yeah, the best decision, or one of the best decisions that I ever made because the peace that I have around death um, now, it's it's not really something that I hugely think of, even though I like, I'm kind of like, it's funny, but not. <laughs> like I have people come up to me and they're like, well, Lindsay, how are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And they're like, you're still above ground anyway. <laughs> it's great though to look, do you know, like. No, I was like, only I'm an Irish girl with a bit of banter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, um, you need that. Yeah, you do. Um, but I did and like oh my god I was bawling and it was like it was so tough but it was honestly taking as much power back because I mean when you're dead you're dead 
and I just try to you know have the best poems the best hymns the songs to do everything as beautiful as I could to be left for everybody you know because that was the only thing I was ever going to be able to give back to people you know in the event of my death and for them to see and to remember me like as me in like videos and stuff that I was making for it as well. You have two beautiful girls, Zoe and Haley, isn't it? Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, I can't believe it. They're going to be 14 and nine now in um, August. Yeah. Everyone's like, you look too young. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> they, they're incredibly, um, I, I remember watching you and the two of them on Ireland AM a few months ago. Like they're, for their age like they're so mature and in in tune was that something that you made a decision at the start that you wanted to be completely real with them yeah I remember like talking to the hospital and they were like look when it comes to kids honesty is the best policy around everything and so like even the times that I've been told I was being treated to be cured I still never said to them you know mommy's going to get better never um, I always just said, you know, it's going to go in. We're going to get the medicine. Um, and I mean, at the time, Haley was three. And so I told them I had cancer. But the thing is, with kids, they don't understand the full details of cancer and what you generally go through in the conventional hospital for cancer. So, I mean, to them, cancer was the same as like, I don't know, having a cold or having a tummy bug, you know, they didn't fully understand the seriousness of it um, nearly every month as well. But I was constantly hospital, 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 hospital. It was, my body was just in wrecking room. And I think now, like I nearly haven't taken so much as a Panadol in 18 months because I've wow. gone the alternative route. Yeah, I, like I'm on no medication um, like conventional med- medication. Um, you went to Mexico and done stuff for your immune system. Yeah, and it just... It wasn't chemo like you were saying, like you got in Ireland. It was another kind of option. It was literally jumpstarting my own immune system, which kind of made me smile there the other day because I seen where they've got this new drug that they've been tested on 14 people and it got rid of their cancer within 14 days. And so they've had a huge breakthrough, but it's for, I think, colorectal. Then I heard another guy talking and he said, yes, basically what this drug does is it activates your immune system to get your immune system to realize that there's cancer in your body. And I was like, this is exactly what I was trying to do you know even when I said I was going and I was trying to get advice off the doctors and stuff here but they completely shut it down I was like but I want it's not about like getting rid of cancer or thinking that it's going to cure cancer and like that I said it's about boosting me up and you know trying to keep me as good and as healthy as I can do and I just smiled because I was like obviously I'm not a medical professional but that drug that they've now think that they've created is exactly my line of thinking of what you know I was trying to do yeah and which clearly has worked for me 17 months on you know it's it's amazing like you know when you first get diagnosed and they say like how long you have and then you keep getting more and it's like getting a visa for for like a longer time isn't it yeah yeah, it's going to Australia telling your mammy you're going to go for three months. 
<laughs> that's actually was I think nine years that my best friend didn't finally she's home now but yeah they were going for a year liars, liars. <laughs> my, my cousin's the same she's over there um speaking of coming home like because of the pandemic I I, I heard you saying that you know a lot of people and I'm guilty of it myself was saying I'm stuck at home and I'm bored off my head and stuff but you embraced that time because you had so much time in hospital and you were with your kids at home. Yeah, I got it back with my kids at home, morning, noon and night. They didn't appreciate the homeschooling part, but <laughs> tough. Um, I wasn't the one making the rules, but <laughs> it was. It was so amazing to be immersed with the kids, even though I knew the May I wasn't. I was like, mm, I don't think I'm feeling great again. But unfortunately, the hospital and the clinic that I needed was closed because everything had shut down that time. So the day clinic was closed. Um, and so it took then till August till I got back up. But then they thought, no, you're fine. And then it was only when I collapsed in September then that they scanned me and realised that I was right. Were all smear tests cancelled during COVID? I think they were because I had a lot of... Yeah, like it's insane. And I know, I think the waiting time now is about eight weeks to even get results and stuff, which is just insane. And um, some people I think are waiting even longer. But like, you know, and that's something that I try to make clear to everybody that like smear tests, they do work. Like it wasn't for in my case, cause people are like, oh, you know, you must be so anti smear test. Absolutely not. My smear test did what it was supposed to do. It was the person who tested and put down the result that was like, you know, did the mistake. The smear test, when they those slides rechecked, it was as clear as day, apparently. How many like, opportunities did you have before? Sorry to put it now, but before no. you are diagnosed, how many opportunities? did they have to realize on the smear test that it was there? So the first two I had were private and I had them before I was 25, which is the national age um, public system. Should it be younger? I think it should depend on the situation. Yeah. Because I've said this, I don't know how many times, like when I was younger um, and I went for those smear tests uh, that I paid for privately, it was that if you were sexually active on the pill and if you'd had kids and at the age of 20, I had had Zoe. So I had, um, so I was clearly sexually active and I had been on the pill for years and before that as well. So I think that it should completely depend on the situation. Um, like, and especially if you are sexually active. Like, I know a lot of people go on the pill for, and this is just my opinion. Like, as I yeah. said, I'm not a medical professional. Like, there is lots of people who go on the pill for, like, different reasons, not just for, um, like, protection against getting mm-hmm. pregnant. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the thing is, if you have the HPV virus that is... Um, there is a good chance that you can develop cervical cancer from that, you know? Um, and I mean, for me, obviously, um, there must have been some HPV, but like I had been sexually active before I was 25, obviously, yeah. and my smear tests before that were fine. Um, so there were those ones that were te- retested that were private were fine. So, I mean... 
things can change though obviously um but I and I think the smear tests in themselves have changed as way that that's nearly what they're looking for um but I think there's supposed to be a huge gap now of like four or five years um yeah. if your smear test is okay um, if you don't have to pay HPV um, virus um, at all, which I was like, wow, I had girls messaging me freaking out. And I was like, well, I'm not in the system anymore. Yeah. But I was like, um, it probably is a, a better way for checking to see if there's HPV. Whereas I think they were just checking for cancer cells back, back when I was doing them. Um, but I think the gaps are wrong. I think that the situations need to be checked out, um, you know, as as to how safe or unsafe some being because cancer is not ageist. Yeah. And I remember being told so many times, oh, you'd be too young. Even when I went for those smears um, privately, I remember being told, oh, you're so young. You're not going to get that. Like, you'd be fine. It's the but, norm. Like, people think that way, don't they? Yeah, um, I think there should be like special centres set up. Like, do you see how quick COVID centres were able to be set yeah. up all up and around the place? Why that? And I actually just yeah. realised I can't be cursing. But why? Not that I would ever curse. I'm a good girl. God, I can um, see the halo over your head. <laughs> I know. It's shining <laughs> like the lights are blinding. Um, but like, why isn't there like a national cervical test centre? or like a cancer center why isn't there a building that like and this will help like make more space in hospitals and stuff if they're not taking up little cubby holes and little hallways here and there you know they can be turned into whatever hospitals need build something that like you know dotted around ireland have a few centers or whatever that someone can come for their smear test they can get you know tested for testicular cancer do their prostate cancer like breast cancer like have all in the one in these places dotted all around the place and take and get people get resources create jobs and let hospitals be hospitals you know i mean sometimes one of the hardest things to do in hospitals find a bloody parking space exactly it is like and if they if they set up them centers it would uh, it would stop people yeah. like you and said don't tell me it can't be done when yeah. you can see how quickly those COVID centres went up. Well, I think it was when you first got diagnosed. Was it your your friend got you a, a, a gratitude book? And that yeah. kind of, that had a huge oh. impact in your life. My So my friend's mum, I'd had my, sis, my sisterectomy, I was going to say my hysterectomy. And I was lying in a bed in my sitting room. So I was for six weeks. And you're not really allowed to lift out and heavier than the KG. And... um. I didn't get to see the kids that much because they were in my aunties. But the one day they came over to visit me, they gave me the vomiting bug. Ooh, and I tell you, when you've had a hysterectomy and you're not supposed to be like um, doing anything strenuous or whatever, and you're there with your head stuck down to while vomiting, that is rock bottom. <laughs> like that is rock bottom. Oh my God. I remember just being like, no. And, and I was like, I just want my mommy. But obviously my mommy wasn't around. Like, oh, that was that was a very tough time. Um, but I remember my friend's mom coming down and she gave me this book and she was like, look, I don't know, read this thing or whatever, you know. 
it's supposed to be good might you know bring it up and I remember she said to me like a while after that when I was in a better place she said it just broke my heart to see yeah she was like and you know she'd seen her daughter same age as me one of my best friends and she was there living her life and doing things amazing and she was just like just not fair but it was honestly the best thing I was ever given it changed my life like right down to having my house and everything that I have now that I bought like I manifested all of that four years ago when I was lying in that bed and I asked for it um just before Zoe would start secondary school and stuff um and we moved into this house today she finished primary school really yeah and everything I asked for and more um like it was just insane the stuff that was happening um when I was doing the book and it just my belief in it just like grew more and more and more that I was like no I've got this anything that's thrown with me I was like I've got this you know small things as well isn't it like you were saying yeah like it was so insane. I remember my oil was running out and I was like, um, I was like, oh, I'll have to go and sort that out. Then some man who doesn't even know me overheard people talk about me in the shop and saying, um, you know, oh, um, I'd like to do something for that girl. And he dropped a year's supply of turf to the side of my house. Are you serious? And like no one else knew that I needed to order oil or anything like that. And the thing is, I didn't even really need oil because that was going to heat the whole house whereas I was in the sitting room so the fire I was there beside the fire anyway so it was grand like it was I cannot I wish I'd written down every insane thing that That happened when I was doing that book like wild and my friend Sam was like I've got to read this book and I was just like I know I know she's just like it's insane she's like no it's grand she says you could just ask for the stuff for me because it works for you <laughs> get it for me is that where your um the name of your Instagram page cancer yeah. gratitude came from yeah because I had actually set up that page so I had to teach people about gratitude because I was like this is just an insane thing like you know and we were always brought up with manners and stuff like that but it's just a different level of gratitude yeah. it's like everything you've been taught and more and the girls when I got di- some of the girls when I got diagnosed the first time had said to me you need to set up a page because they're like you'll always you'll be honest and open and you'll tell people what's what and I was like ah nobody's gonna want to know like it'll be fine and I was like nah nah and they'd even bought me they're like no you need to write a book which is something I've been told my entire life you need to write a book so I need to find the people that can help me write a book or a whole trilogy or 10 of them um and I was like no no I'm not going to do it and they'd given me the pens and papers never used them and I was three weeks after I set up that page diagnosed the second time and that is how it ended up having to turn into cancer with gratitude, even though it was only ever supposed to be a gratitude. That was um, your third time in four years, was that? That was my second time. And then I hadn't, like, I had a few followers. Well, I had a good couple of, I had about a couple of thousand followers at that stage. And then, so that was the second time. But then, yeah, when I got diagnosed the third time, that was my third time in four years. But I'd lived... A year in 2019 was technically the only year since 2017 that I hadn't had cancer. 
And it was one of the most horrendous ones because I was constantly in hospital, constantly things going wrong and constantly having to go under um, down to theatre and stuff. And it was hell, but it was my body was just being like, please just give me some goodness. Like, you know, and there um, hasn't been like a, a huge not to like bring it down to one person, but like even there hasn't been a huge apology really, has there? Even I seen there when they used to do leaders' questions, there was a girl from the Independent I remember asking Tony Hulahan about it and he just kind of refused to give an apology. Like, oh, I don't know the case or whatever thing was when they were asked directly about me. And yeah, I mean, even in court, they were like, oh, deep regret. And I remember seeing it on Twitter then afterwards and I had said like, you know, on the Late Late Show, I'd been like, you know, they said deep regret. I was like, but when I was brought up, I was told sorry. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's not what they use. But then I'd seen it was on Twitter. I was like, oh, I must teach the kids the difference between deep regret and sorry. Like, you know, um, I, th- I suppose they were probably trying to be a little bit clever with their wor- wording. Wording, you know? yeah. It's, it's the person who actually did it that, like, yeah. I would you know it would mean more from at this stage um because sorry isn't going to fix or deep regret isn't going to change and you know it was terrifying that time in the four courts because I couldn't go to Mexico until I got that trial over and I knew that that trial um had already cut into like three or four months of my six to eight months that I'd been told so I knew every day was me testing the waters but thankfully I had already been doing like I'd already changed my lifestyle food wise and what I was having and I'd started doing fusions that they did have in Ireland and lucky enough and close enough to home and I'd been trying to do as much as I can even um even Paddy um, and Chelsea have been amazing to me there um and letting me use um their flotation tank mm. um that they had yeah and so I was I was doing lots of stuff but I was doing it without guidance and that yeah. I tell you is terrifying and that's one of the most upsetting things when I come home from being immersed in such love and hope and goodness when I go away to these countries I come home and it's me and my own yeah so, and yes, they can phone and they can ha- call. But sometimes I just want a day that it's not just me working out my machines and working out what I'm going to do and trying to book this and book that. And, you know, it, it can be very, very lonely. And then, you know, I have so many people that like are like, can you please try and help me and or help a loved one of theirs? And I'm like, it's a, yeah, it's a lot like, like uh, I'm not I'm, I'm telling you Lindsay's sentence of the day I'm not a medical professional I'm not magically trained um <laughs> but it's just like oh I wish I could but all I can really do is look this is what I've done but I've done it because I know me and I know my body and I know what I felt was right for me but what's right for me is not necessarily right for someone else. Someone else. You know? But hopefully there could be snippets of it. And so all I can ever do is send on the numbers or the emails or, you know, the names of the place and be like, they are the ones that are trained in what they are doing and what I've done. And, you know, that is all I can do. 
as much as I'd love to be like, yes, you need to X, Y, Z, you know, I can't. Yeah. And I think people like, I suppose, especially when you're, when a lot of people know your name, they kind of expect you to be able to tell them what's the answer for them, but it's not, it's, it's so different. Like, do you have, um, you, you were in Germany lately, weren't you? Yeah, like, I was. Well. I, I've had two trips there, so I have. And I mean, I've gotten to a stage now that I have so many machines. Like when I say there's hundreds of thousands have gone into keeping me alive, like that is no word of a lie. People um, don't see that, you know? They don't. People just see so many looks well. Like you want to see, I was nearly doing backflips um, at a communion uh, yesterday. Now, sober, even though I was like, why do I look so drunk in every video that I do when I'm out? Like, and I don't drink. Um, and like, I was like, do you know what? People just see a healthy person and they think, nah, there's nothing going wrong with her. And, you know, sometimes I would be tempted to post up my scan so you can see yeah. like the tumors and stuff that are inside. Um, but like with Germany now, there's only three infusions that they have that I need. And I I nearly wouldn't have to get on a flight because I have enough machines at home. Really? Because um, they're not um, allowed in Ireland. I can't get them. Do you but think in the future that, they will be? I, I honestly don't know. And what frustrates me is Germany is an EU country. Yeah. That is our brother, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Another mother. Um, so, like... Why? And they have no problem sending them over to me. It's not even like Ireland need to have to order them or anything like that. Um, And I know there's been people who have often, they're like, we'll just give them and give you the infusion side. No, I I want it straight laced. I want no stress or worry. And I want to just be healing because it's no good to me if I'm going to be like worried that like get in trouble for doing something, you know? Um, So, and I, I wouldn't mind, I had messaged um, a TD and they were like, yeah, 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 I'll read her or whatever, never go back to me, a local one here in Longford. So I was really disappointed um, because I'm just like, this is life and death. In the, the health system, do you think lessons have been learned from the whole scandal? Ah, <laughs> I don't know if uh, everyone really wants to hear my opinion, but <laughs> do I think lessons have been learned? In general, moving no. forward, like, no? No. I don't think we ever properly learn because, I mean, I was shocked to hear that, like, um, the same companies, labs and stuff still have the same contract. Was it they sent them over to day one? Did they like close them here and send them over to a lab in America? Was that? Yeah. And those same labs still have those same contracts because Ireland don't have enough resources. So the same labs still have the same contracts. That's mind boggling, isn't it? Um, Yeah. Now, I think what happened like and look here I tell a lie but I was I was told this at um, an event that was around all of this um for you know people that are in it so apparently like what possibly happened was those labs were given you know the job the contract to do it and then they subletted them to other labs and those other labs didn't meet the standard of what was supposed to be in the contract and so I think 
Um, as I said, hear a lie, tell a lie. I think that's what happened. But those original labs are meant to still have those contracts for tests and the smear tests. Because Ireland don't have enough, um, I'm going to say cytologist. Yeah. <laughs> this is a moment where you need to ask Alexa. <laughs> um, I think that's what tests. Um, I think that's who tests tests. I don't know. I've... I've heard the name of every uh, ologist in the yeah. in the world at this rate, like I'm telling you. Yeah, so I do forget who does what at this stage. Um, but yeah, you talk yeah. a lot about um, and I know myself from being in hospital that sometimes, like we've been talking about, the nurses could say one thing, but you know yourself. You yeah. you talk a lot about going with your gut instinct. Do you think that a lot of people you swear by that? Do you? I absolutely do swear by that. Like, it's insane how much I've learned that more and more and more that uh, I'm just like, no, no, sorry, no. And I always try to say sometimes that, look, I'm not trying to insult you or I'm not trying to say that you don't know what you're doing. I just know what I'm comfortable with and what feels right to me. And this doesn't feel right to me. Um, And it's just, it's so important to be honest. It's why I'm still alive. You know, had I have took the route that I was being given and I always say like, I'm not trying to bad mouth hospitals or anything like that. They honestly were giving me what they felt they had the best to offer. It's just you don't always have to take someone's best offer, you know. That's so true. Yeah, and it just it just didn't suit me. I mean, there's loads of people that gladly take it, that beg for it, and would want it, and that's their gut feeling, and that's what they want, you know. And I completely respect that. To be honest, it's none of my business what anyone else does, and that's all. I'm just worrying about my corner. Um, and I've just felt that going on my gut has literally been my savior. And I'm like, at this stage, even if I ever take a wrong turn, I still got back 17 months of my life that, yeah. you know, I never expected to have. So you're living proof that if you keep a good mindset and stuff, was that something that you were you always strong mentally or was it only when you kind of was going through this whole thing that you you built up strength in your mind? I think um, from being a single mom and stuff like that, like you all, so I was never one to follow the crowd um, sort of thing. I was always my own person. Um, and I think then, though, losing mom, that was like so emotionally. Yeah you know oh my god destroying um and I'm thinking I don't think I'll ever feel hurt as much again and I think if I can live like without her and still have like good moments um of life I was like then you know I can nearly do anything is there a figure of how many people were their smirtis were misread wrongly is there a figure I, I know that the group or the original group was 221, which was the 221. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure did I, and now it's the 221 plus. Plus. Um, and you yeah. were one of the plus, weren't 
and the plus yeah um i f- i think it's not that far off 400 at this minute but the thing is there's a lot of people out there like i mean i wasn't in that batch number i think there was a batch number or something like that or whatever but i wasn't in that batch number you yeah. know i of my own accord went and you know got mind checked or whatever and but there is probably other ladies and stuff out there that you know don't realize that they are actually part of it you know and there's ladies i'd say that have passed away that you know didn't realize that either yeah and i said that's just my opinion that's not gospel or anything like that but I mean, if I hadn't have gone and done it, I would never have known because yeah. I honestly thought, no, no, from what I'd been, the advice that I'd been given when I asked the questions, like it was, it was pretty much like, you know, why would I even bother doing it? Are a lot of girls, do you think, afraid to go for one or do they just say it's not going to be me? Because a lot of people think that way. Like I'd never have thought that I would have had my accident. Yeah, um, I think some girls would be are scared yeah. um, that they are, and then I think it's you know having to go in and you know take everything off below and have someone yeah insert stuff and I think for a lot of women it's just uncomfortable and it's just something they're like oh yeah yeah I'll book it and a lot of them might like that might think that they're fine or whatever but which is understandable like you say like I've had messages um of people being like thank you so much like someone's like you just saved my best friend and um or like I love I meet women they're like yeah yeah thank you it's because of you um that I've gone and done it I remember when the lad saying to me as well that uh, he was talking to the doctor and she's like, ever since that Lindsay Bennett one, <laughs> we're in dead. We can't keep up with all these smear tests. And I was like, this is what I want. I mean, That's I actually good. contacted HSC about trying to do awareness, but never heard back from them and stuff like that. Like I'd love to do campaigns and videos and. Even going around to schools, like talking yeah, to Yeah, I would love love to colleges to everything yeah. i love to do that to workplaces like you know even a, a zoom for like 20 minutes half an hour like it's so vital and you know for someone who's now nice, i consider myself young even though i'm 34 next month but um at the end of the day i would have been affected since i was 25 i just didn't get the right results given to me so you know it's people need to know or they need to just have that thought planted in their head so that if they do start having symptoms even if they're like i won't bother but next thing they do have something they're like hold on right do you know what where you know people can think that i know i'll be fine you know whereas i think if they hear someone else's story and stuff or, yeah. it, res- it resonates with them yeah you know and even if you don't in that moment exactly come yeah. here thanks so much for coming on and oh thank you so much for having me I think this chat is going to out of all my shows so far I think it's going to be one of the ones that people are actually going to say right 
you know, hearing your story and they don't want to be part of that that plus number and you're you're a warrior and uh, I'm saying this from the heart when I when I seen that video of you outside the courthouse talking, it I think you'd have to be a stone for not to bring a tear to your eye. And from me here and I think I speak for everyone in in Kerry and away and all over the country, thank you and thanks for everything that you're doing. Not at all. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Now, unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show and I appreciate you tuning in. Lindsay is an incredible person and thanks a million again for her for coming in today and being such open and honest about her, about her cancer diagnosis and she's had a hard road and she's come out the other side. So I'm very happy that she was able to come in and I hope she highlighted how important it is for for all women to get their smear tests and I suppose you could be honest and it could save your life because Lindsay has highlighted that today and I hope you all learned something from her and she um she's doing a great job in what she's doing and spreading awareness and I'm delighted I've got the chance to interview her today. If you have any questions or requests for next week's show, you can drop me an email on my email address ioconnell at radiocarry.ie don't go anywhere because Brian Priestley is up next with That's Jazz. I'll be back at the same time next week from 8 to 9pm. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry 103.7.